So we have got big news. We have got both of our live events for 2019 scheduled. The first one is going to be an all y'all live wildcard event, which means anyone can get called up on stage to tell a story. It's going to be Friday, July 26th at an event center called RSVP on Uri Drive. It used to be Maurice's Bar, many of you may remember. But again, that's going to be Friday, July 26th at 7.30 p.m. Tickets are already on sale at allyallblog.com. And we appreciate everyone that's already bought tickets. If you haven't, go and get yours. Our second live event for 2019, which is going to be our fundraiser event, the Fit Into Award, is going to be held on Saturday, September 28th at LSUS University Center Auditorium. That's the incredible, big, beautiful auditorium at LSU Shreveport. And we want to thank LSU Shreveport for welcoming us for that awesome event. So mark those two dates down, July 26th and September 28th. And we hope to see you at an all y'all live event. All right. And here's our 61st episode of the podcast. Welcome to the All Y'all Podcast. I'm Sarah Abair, And I'm Chris J. Sarah and I produce All Y'all Independently in Shreveport, Louisiana. This episode features storyteller Catherine Usher recorded live on stage at Remington Suite Hotel and Spa during our November 2016 live event with the theme Haunted. What you're about to hear is a real deal ghost story from a Shreveport multimedia artist who inspires us with her rabble-rousing approach to culture and community. Before we get into this incredible episode, we want to take a moment to thank our sponsor for the season of the podcast and live events. Of course, it is Maryland's Place. So the other day, I was showing someone around, and this was their first ever trip to Louisiana. So we wanted beignets, and we stopped to get beignets at Maryland's Place. And you could just see in her face how the beignets were exactly what she dreamt that Louisiana beignets would be like. If you've ever hosted guests or you plan to host guests and you want them to have an honest-to-God taste of Louisiana, Maryland's Place is one of those spots that'll never let you down. They do killer po'boys, Shreveport's very best Sunday brunch, and so much more. Gah, now I want beignets. So thank you, Boz, for my carb craving today. And thank you, everyone at Maryland's Place, for supporting independent media in Shreveport. We really appreciate it. The story that you're about to hear is a ghost story set in Shreveport's Highland neighborhood that is easily one of the most intimate stories I think we've ever recorded at all, y'all. On the night that Catherine told this story, all proceeds from admission were donated to the Louisiana Association for the Blind. They were our recipient that year of the Fidden Two Award. Catherine was our final storyteller of the evening, and you could hear pin drop as she shared this story, which we're calling Flies. This is not the story I ever thought I would tell. Um, In high school, I was voted most humorous, and I've done stand-up comedy in Los Angeles. I also was a morning show air personality for years on the radio. Comedy I do, tragedy, serious I don't do. And I'm not really sure if I believe in hauntings or ghosts, because I think to believe in a ghost You have to believe that there's something after death. And I truly think that once it's over, it's over. But you know, what I do believe in is the American South is a haunted place. In Louisiana, we have all this rural area and we have swamps. And here in Shreveport, we are just down the road from the Boggy Creek Monster. So I believe in uh, the American South is a haunted place with lots of space for secrets. 
Do y'all have any secrets? I have three secrets. I'll share them with you. Um, I find it really hard to ask for what I want. Secret number two, my grandmother was married nine times. And five years ago, I killed my husband. We just celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary. 25 years of good times and bad. Chris Rock does a routine where he says, you've never been in love if you've never thought about killing someone. <laughs> Charlie's death was not as dramatic as when William S. Burroughs asked his wife to play William Tell with him and he got a glass of liquor and put it on her head and aimed the pistol and missed and shot her in the head and she died shortly thereafter. His death was a, a little more subtle. His death certificate said polypharmaceutical drug overdose. They were pain pills, all legally prescribed, and all as a result of a surgery that went horribly wrong in the early 90s and left our family struggling for a long, long time. Charlie loved to laugh. He loved his house on Dalzell Street, a sweet little bungalow on a beautiful street. He loved me. He loved his baby daughter, Katie. And he loved his daughter, Valerie, by his first marriage. He also was the cook in the house, because he was from Bunky, and I'm from Oklahoma. If you can't tell by the lasso around my neck, right? Um, he made the good food, I made the rice. I did make the really good rice, but he said the food that I made was hospital food, so he was the one <laughs> that did all the cooking in our house. About three months before he died, I went to him and I said, I'm not gonna hide your pain pills anymore. I am not gonna put them in my bra. And there's a lot of room in here to put a lot of things. I said, instead, I'm gonna tough love you. In three months, he was dead. That final weekend, for the longest time, I couldn't think of a single moment where I had been kind to him. Why is it so hard to be kind to people that we are closest to for a long, long time? My grandmother, who was married nine times, she got divorced eight, but her final husband, well, he died about a year after they were married. She finally got to say, I'm a widow, you know. That was much better than being someone who was divorced. Her husband died of lung cancer, and for that year they were very happy. And after he died, she would remind Charlie and I, just be nice to each other. Be nice. I couldn't do it. One of the things he liked best was for me to say, good morning. I couldn't do it. I would just say, hey. I had a lot of guilt. I was so mad at him that last weekend because I was on a deadline for an art project. I wanted to be outside painting. I didn't want to be inside where he was. I felt like he was so out of it that I needed to be right there. And if you had come to our house at any point during that weekend, and you had seen him, you would have gone, call 911 and call it right now. 
But the other truth is, if you live with someone day in and day out who finds comfort in pain pills or alcohol or shopping or gambling or any of the other things we do to try to make ourselves feel better, the truth is that's just the way it is. I did finally call 911, but it was too late. He had stopped breathing. The paramedics came and they got his heart started. They took him to Shumpert and he was there on life support for six days. The hope was that maybe the drugs would get out of his system and he would be okay and there would be recovery, but that didn't happen. Ask for what you want. About two years before he died, on Facebook, he found his daughter, Valerie. He printed out her profile and he brought it to me and he said, I think this is Valerie. What should I do? Should I call her? And it's so hard for me to ask for what I want that I couldn't even gift him that. I couldn't say, call her, ask for what you want. But you know who could ask for what she wanted? It was Valerie. That last week, Charlie was alive. She found out that her father was very sick. And she drove up from Alexandria with her son. I have a grandson. Who knew? Ask for what you want. Charlie loved his house on Dalzell Street so much that it was fitting that we had his um, memorial service at the Yellow House of Highland. That was a house where a group of young people were living together intentionally in community. And they opened their home to us, and we invited my family and we invited Charlie's family. And for the longest time that Saturday afternoon, we sat around and we just, we told stories about Charlie. And I watched couples do that couples thing they do, you know, where one will start the story and the other one will tap them on the arm and say, but you know, remember that part? And they will tag team back and forth and tell stories. And I watched these beautiful people tell these stories about Charlie, and I felt really small and alone inside, and I thought, I will never have that again. I will never get to tell stories with him ever again. About a month after he died, he made his presence known. Charlie loved his bungalow, but he also loved the hell out of smoking cigarettes <laughs> and drinking coffee and eating good Louisiana food. And the way that he made his presence known was the entire house smelled like cigarette smoke. <laughs> it was so bad, I thought, maybe the neighbors are having a party and for fun they're just standing with their lips pressed up against our windows, <laughs> blowing smoke into our house. So I would dash outside, there wouldn't be any neighbors. I'd come back in and there would be that cigarette smoke. About a month after he died also was Katie's birthday, the end of October. We went to my mom's house, because my mom makes the best birthday cakes. They are round and stacked tall in layers, and they are covered in the most delicious whipped cream icing. So we watched her ice the cake and put it in the refrigerator, and we sat down and we ate, and then we got the cake out, 
and it had gone all wonky. The layers were sticking out like high dive platforms at the Olympics. We figured it was Charlie's way to be at Katie's birthday one last time. And then he started a new trick. At our house, there's a screened-in porch, but now it's um, a glassed-in room. And that was Charlie's office. And so he started leaving the back door open. We would go to bed at night and make sure the house was secure and lock up, and we'd get up in the morning and the door would be open. We'd never had trouble like that before. We'd lock the door and we'd go away for work, and then we'd come back and the door would be ajar again. Well, when you've got your daughter in your house, you can't put up with that. So we just, we ended that quickly and got a bolt and shut that down. And then he did one of the strangest things. He loved drinking coffee so much that it was his job to get the coffee, creamer, sweetener, and all that stuff. This haunting involved, I guess because he liked drinking the coffee so much, it involved coffee. He drank so much coffee, and the reason he drank so much coffee was because he was bipolar. The heart is an organ. If you have trouble with your heart, you have surgery or you take medicine. The brain is an organ. If you have trouble with your brain, you can take medicine and that will help you. Charlie was bipolar, and his bipolar ran to the manic side. So he would take medicine that would even him out, but would also slow him down. And to counter that, he would drink three to four to five pots of coffee a day. And he drank so much coffee that he didn't have time to tear open those little sweet and low packets. He would buy it in the bulk. Well, he needed something to put that sweetener in, and on the back of the Sweet and Low box at that time, you could order a little glass cup that had a tin lid and a tin scoop, and that's what he did. So the sweetener and the creamer and the coffee maker all lived on the counter in the kitchen next to the refrigerator, kind of where Charlie still lives. Um, Y'all, he's in a box on a shelf above the refrigerator, (laughs) still to this day. So that's probably why this took place there. I got up one morning to make coffee, and I opened the cupboard, and there was that little sweetener bowl. It had moved from next to the coffee maker to up on the shelf. And I went, I didn't put that there. I went to Katie's room and I knocked on her door and I said, Katie, she said, what, I'm asleep. I said, come here. I drug her into the kitchen. She said, I didn't put that there. We all stood there and we just stared at that little sweetener bowl. And somebody said, you know, it's a little empty. And we said, yeah, maybe daddy's trying to tell us we need to get more sweetener. He went from daddy to ghost boy at that point. Um, I called him daddy, Katie called him daddy, she called me mama, he called me mama. When we got pregnant, that's when we changed our names and became mama and daddy. And when he changed forms, he became ghost boy and got his own hashtag. And (laughs) that sweetener bowl affected me so much that there's a picture of it on my Instagram. 
I finally was able to forgive myself a little bit. TV actually saved me. Y'all, TV saved me. I'd recorded a, a program and I, I kept watching it over and over again. And it was about forgiveness. And I was able, because I was able to forgive myself just a little bit, I was able to realize that there were a couple of times actually during that last weekend where I was kind to him. And life moved on and I started getting rid of things. You know how when someone passes away, you gotta get rid of stuff. I got rid of most of his clothes, gave him to Goodwill, kept his underwear. I liked wearing his underwear because I felt really close to him. <laughs> I kept a pair of shorts, walking shorts, that Katie called my sad shorts that were his, and I wore those every day for the first year. Um, and I finally got rid of those. One of the last things that I got rid of was a pork roast. The last meal he was gonna cook for himself was a pork roast. And I had so much guilt, I couldn't eat his food. I couldn't even buy food that he didn't like. So we finally got rid of the pork roast after I'd put it in the refrigerator and left it there for a couple of weeks and then I put it in the freezer and it stayed there for a couple of years. <laughs> I finally threw it away. Um, five years. We started cleaning out that back room where his office was. Um, and this beautiful man has been helping me because I have so much anxiety. Um, Jay, who I'm totally smitten with, he's been there helping me. And I've stopped pretending that maybe Charlie's gonna come back. The game that I would play was he's on a really long trip to Walmart and he's gonna come home just real soon. So I've stopped playing that game and actually, the other day, I bought a, pot, a, por a pork roast, and I stuffed it full of garlic, and I put it on the stove, and I cooked it. And y'all, this is where it gets really weird. It turns out that was the eve of his 66th birthday. The cigarette smoke smell had stopped. So I thought we had moved past whatever he was doing. I never felt threatened by him. I just really didn't understand it. Put the pork roast on, told Jay that I was gonna make rice in about an hour, and I went back in Charlie's office to work on this story that I'm telling tonight. And the dogs were happy because it smelled so good in the house. And when I went into the kitchen to make the rice, I opened the door, and all I could do was just stare at the stove. There was a horde of flies above the pork roast, just buzzing. You've stopped with cigarette smoke? You're doing flies now? <laughs> all I could do was just stare, and I picked up the fly swatter, and I just kind of waved it around. But when there's a 1,000 flies and one fly swatter and one person, it doesn't really make any difference. And Jay comes bouncing into the room and says, I'm going to the store, you need anything? Uh, maybe some fly traps. Uh. Y'all, five years ago, when I was at the Yellow House of Highland, and I watched those couples tell that story, maybe Charlie heard me, and through his love and kindness and forgiveness, this is our last story we get to tell together.
Recently, Catherine stopped by to discuss what life's been like since she told her story. But before we hear that conversation, we want to say a quick thank you to Remington Suite Hotel and Spa, who donated the use of their ballroom to help all y'all raise money for the Louisiana Association for the Blind. And if you ever need to do an event, that is a beautiful space. Gorgeous. I hope we will go back very soon. Um, we also want to thank our sponsor, Maccentric, who are Shreveport's locally owned premium service provider. All y'all is produced entirely with Max. And right now, actually, our big beast iMac machine is in the shop at Maccentric. It's getting a fresh new hard drive. It's going to be super fast and awesome. I'm very excited. Um, they are a local company with unmatched knowledge of Apple products. And you can learn more all about the services that they provide at maccentric.net. When we visited with Catherine Usher, it had been almost three years since she told her story live at All Y'all, but Sarah and I have never really stopped talking about her story. There was one important question that Sarah wanted to ask Catherine now that she's had a, a bit more time to come to terms with Charlie's death. You probably have the most powerful opening for a story in the history of All Y'all. Oh, wow. And it, it is very audible in the story because there's a long pause after you, you say, I, and it's so hard for me to even say it aloud, that you feel like you killed your husband. Yeah. Do you feel responsible for Charlie's death now, today? I think I always will. But I think the beautiful gift of time is that you do get to forget. And with the forgetting comes forgiveness. Um, right now, I'm concerned that I killed my dad, you know, but I think we all make the best decisions based on the information we have at that time. And it was weird when Charlie died, we had the, the real cable, not just Netflix. And there was a story um, that I just kept watching over and over. And it was about forgiveness. And basically, as humans, we're better than our worst day. Um, so I just had to keep watching that and, and find forgiveness. Um, but there was a lot of things that I could have done differently. Um, I am not the best at taking care of myself. And um, I took care of him a lot. And I loved him very much. Um, but if I did it over again, I think I would try to find how to take care of myself. I've always used food, alcohol, and hoarding. And I'm trying to find healthier ways. Um, making tea with an electric tea kettle is kind of a new joy that I've discovered. And it doesn't have to be, you know, like a green tea. There's like some really nice um, peach and orange teas out there. And um, um, so I'm learning about that. And I, I think um, maybe that's one thing is to, you know, try new adventures so you don't fall back. Because, oh my gosh, when I'm stressed, it's so easy to binge on food. I don't overdrink as much because it's really sad. I'm so tired <laughs> that if I have one drink or beer, I'm like, okay, I'm going to sleep now. I have to time it. Okay. Uh, all right. It's uh, seven o'clock. I guess I'll have some rum now. <laughs> I've waited long enough. <laughs> Too funny. Yeah. So I have to ask some some real obvious like questions that listeners will want to know. Sure. Yeah. Um, when has Ghost Boy made another appearance? You know, he really hasn't. Um, there's just the memories. And I think I haven't had any um, bugs or uh, smells that I would attribute to him. Just really nice memories. Yeah. I had a nice memory the other day triggered. Uh, we have a niece. One day we were at Posadas. They had come to town and Charlie was sitting across from her and 
pouring the uh, honey on a sopapilla for her and she was about three and she just looked at him and said, Uncle Charlie, you're the best. And so like I shared that with her because she had done an Edith Piaf song and posted it on Facebook. And I said, oh my gosh, your uncle would love that. He loved Edith Piaf. And she was like, oh, I miss him. And I was like, I miss him too. And he just loved when you said that he was the best. So yeah. So maybe ghost boys making appearances, but just in different ways. Yeah, you know, in memories. Yeah, yeah. in yeah. memories. Yeah, definitely. I miss him every day. Yeah, every single day. And I've uh, learned how to make gumbo, and I never made it because he was from Bunky, and he was always the cook. So I think of him when I'm making, you know, either chicken and sausage or seafood gumbo. It's funny. I'm making gumbo right now. Are you? Right? So. <laughs> what kind are you making today? It's a good it's day chicken for... and sausage. <laughs> Excellent. Chicken and sausage. That's a good gumbo. It's like simmering on the stove while we're Oh, that's doing. what smells so good. Well, um, he used to, I was from, I'm from Oklahoma, so he used to say that I made hospital food. You mentioned that in his story. <laughs> yeah. <So>, yeah. <laughs> He's probably used to much more flavor. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So you believe that after you die, that's it? I think so. I think that I would like, to, it's really comforting to think that there's something else, but, but I think that's it. Yeah. Ultimately. Yeah. Has your perception of like being haunted or like ghosts changed at all? No, I, I, maybe it's strange if I don't believe in the afterlife, how can I believe in ghosts? But I think I still do. Recently, Catherine has channeled a lot of energy into creative projects, including a documentary called James Mark's Revolution, shot entirely on the iPhone. You can scope it out on Facebook or at jamesmarksrevolution.com. Also, if you visit our post about this story at allyallblog.com, we'll link to a talk that Catherine gave at TEDx Red River all the way back in 2010. It's a barn burner of a pep talk that Sarah and I both really enjoyed and wanted to share again. Thanks for listening to another episode of the All Y'all Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider sharing it on social media, maybe mailing it to a friend or calling someone and telling them they should subscribe to our podcast. These small acts not only help us reach new listeners, but it also gives us like this warm and fuzzy feeling when we see you supporting us. We hope that you follow All Y'all on Instagram and Twitter at All Y'all Podcast and on Facebook by searching for All Y'all. Also, if you're into live storytelling, please remember we've got two great live events coming up. Our next event, All Y'all Live Wildcard 2, will take place on Friday, July 26, 2019 at RSVP Event Center on Uri Drive, which was formerly Maurice's Bar. So please make plans to join us. At Wildcard events, anyone in the crowd can be called on stage to tell a story. Tickets to Wildcard 2 are on sale now, and you can purchase them on our website at allyallblog.com. We've also got our fall fundraiser event planned, which will be held on Saturday, September 28th at LSU Shreveport's University Center Auditorium. The theme of our September 28th event will be going through it, and all proceeds from that event will be donated to a deserving cause that assists those in shreveport Bossier who are dealing with mental health issues. We're currently seeking stories that deal with mental health in some way, and they don't have to be sad by any means. Stories can be funny, shocking, surprising. They've just got to be true. If you think that you may have a story that'd be great for going through it, please call our Storyteller Hotline. It's 318-582-0665 and leave us a brief description of your story. That's 318-582-0665. 
Yo, is this our 60th or 61st? This is our 61st episode. That's wild. That's crazy, isn't it? What did you think he'd be doing at 61? Well, hopefully I will be on my front porch um, <laughs> snapping peas and peeling peaches with my jeans rolled up and an old hound dog and you uh, playing the accordion <laughs> beside me. <laughs> I think that sounds really great. <laughs> Thank you. So, we, we're going to need to put a porch on the house, though. Uh, yes, we'll have to figure that one out. <laughs> so happy 61st birthday, all y'all podcast. 61 episodes. Wild.